It's time for Fat Dude Digs Flicks with your host, Andy the Fat Dude. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Fat Dude Digs Flicks. I am your resident fat dude, Andy, coming to you recorded from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, with kind of a special episode today. Now, I'm, I feel constantly like I'm a man in search of a format. I don't really know exactly what I want to do. So it's just going to be kind of touch and go here for a while with what I decide to do. But this is something that I've been really looking forward to. Now, I, I say that and I have to uh, accentuate the fact that this is going to go far more differently than I had originally anticipated. Uh, today, I am joined by my friend Ryan Stoick. Ryan, hello. Hello out there in podcast land. And we are going to talk about Aquaman and the rest of the DC Cinematic Universe. Now, when I had this idea, Ryan, my plan was to have this kind of not so much a battle of wits or like a, an intense disagreement, but just a um, uh, okay. So basically, I was going to tell you why I don't like the DC movies, and you were going to tell me why I'm wrong, and that was what the idea was. Because, ladies and gentlemen, he's wrong. <laughs> that was what the initial plan was. But to prepare myself for this, to psych myself up, to, to, to go into battle with my guns blazing, like all prepared for war, I decided to rewatch all of the DC movies, the, the, this new brand of DC, starting at Man of Steel, working my way up to Aquaman, to kind of, you know, get my, get my, um, my armory ready. And I have to tell you, something really shocking happened. <laughs> I liked them. Like yeah! I, I did. I liked oh! them. Like now now my opinions across the board all changed on these. And for one of them, it was not for the better. But for everything else, it was. And I was I was really surprised. And I don't know if that's because for me, it's kind of, I, I watched them the first time through, and maybe my expectations were different for what I wanted from the DC films, and now knowing what I got, I was able to just kind of sit and let myself appreciate the stories for what they were, and uh, yeah, I was, I, I, will, I will eat a little bit of crow. I won't eat a whole crow, but I will, I will take a little smidge of of the the crow and just kind of chomp on it a little bit. You want some herbs and spices? <laughs> I, I'm gonna need some flavor for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, in retrospect, uh, after another rewatch, I have enjoyed most of the DC films. Um, but what I want to do first is I have Ryan on the show today because Ryan is a huge comic book fan, uh, fan of the the DC films in general. Uh, he's a very funny guy, so I wanted a little bit of levity here because you know how serious... No, I don't. I don't get serious at all. <laughs> but I, I wanted just to be able to have someone on here who's very passionate about these movies because for the longest time, I didn't quite understand it, and I, I get it, and I get it because... You know, I grew up reading comic books. Like, I loved comic books. My my favorite storyline still to this day, uh, even though I know where it kind of, you know, it, where it went, I still am a huge 
uh, I will bang the drum forever for the death of Superman, uh, Return of the Superman storyline. Like, that is what, I mean, I was glued. I, I had to go to the comic book store every week to pick up the new issues because that storyline with, like, death of Superman, funeral for a friend, the, the, the four Supermen, the Reign cyborg. The Superman. Yeah, Reign of the Superman, that's what it was called. I loved it. And my older brother and I would buy the, like, the special chrome covers or mm-hmm. the, the holographic covers, the little re- removable translucent cover. Like, it was a big deal. So I, I grew up reading comics, too. And I loved DC. And I still love DC. Like, I were to say, if, if comics, if we're talking about the actual comic books, I am a DC guy. For movies, I'm a Marvel guy, and I think there's a there's just a, a different storytelling sense. But now, uh, <laughs> with this rewatch, I think even though maybe I still like the Marvel films a bit more, I'm not gonna talk shit about the DC <laughs> films anymore uh, because there's something there you just have to appreciate for what that is. But anyway, before we get into the movies, Ryan, give me a little bit of history uh, as far as your uh, connection to comic books, your love for comic books, where what what your favorite stuff is, where you what you grew up listening or to or, or, or reading or watching, just stuff like that. Give me a little rundown and let people know uh, where your heart is in this. Well, I have, uh, thank you, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I have uh, been a comic book fan for my entire life. Uh, it all goes back to my uncle Dan, who will be listening to this. Um, <laughs> so he has a chance to puff out his chest and go, "Yeah, that's me." Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Flash has always been my favorite character. And just a little bit of background on me, because this is an audio format and the audience cannot see, I am a disabled individual. I was born with cerebral palsy, and it it didn't occur to me until very, very recently, far more recently than it should have. But I was on a visit with my grandma, and my grandma said to me, do you think that the reason why the Flash was always your favorite character is because you always wanted to run like him? And after I finished crying on the inside, I was like, well, you know, maybe that, maybe that's it. And I've, I've just been really strongly tied to the Flash and then by extension for the rest of the DC Universe. Mostly as a kid because his costume was, I thought, the coolest. Mm-hmm. He had the wings on the side of his head, which I thought was a really nice touch. But the thing I remember being absolutely struck by, for some weird reason, was that the belt across his waist was a lightning bolt. And I just thought that was so neat. It was yeah. just uh, part of the design that I really that really hooked me. And then... As it happened, the stories were also good, too. But uh, then, of course, as you uh, get into your fandom, you always have the person that gets you started. And then as that goes on, you have that person at first going, here, read this, here, read this, here, read this. And then, from a certain point, you start to develop your own tastes and you kind of branch off on your own. But I was also... Uh, we you couldn't see this audience, but we fist bumped when Andrew said that his favorite was the death and return of Superman. Uh, so there's a lot of things in this podcast that you won't see us silently giving each other the middle <laughs> finger and fist bumping. You know, Th- this is just gonna be like it's gonna be a very nice and very respectful. We're very good friends <laughs> outside of the podcast, so there is a table between us. It may be getting flipped over from a uh, time or two, but. Uh, I was also very into the death of Superman. I stayed away as far as I could from, for example, the Clone Saga. Mm-hmm. Did yep. not enjoy that. Uh, 
One thing that did come out right around the same time as the death of Superman, if you recall this story, is from the Flash comics written by Mark Wade, The Return of Barry Allen, where uh, Barry Allen, who had died in the comic books a few years prior to that, was at first seeming to be resurrected, but it turned out to be his arch-nemesis, the reverse Flash in disguise, wanting to tarnish his legacy. And that was something that still really sticks to me uh, to this day. A lot of people knowing my fandom of The Flash says, I kind of want to start reading Flash comic books because, as you mentioned before, the, the passion for the character and the passion for comic books, when people meet me, they, they it kind of rubs off. They're like, he's really into this. It sounds really cool. What yeah. should, If I want to read The Flash too, what should I read? That's always a story that I point people in the direction of. And... Um, Basically, anything that came out of DC in that time period, you know, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths was a little bit before my time. I was just a little kid when it came out, but when I found out from my uncle that that was where Barry Allen died, I had to pick up every issue, I had to find out, and I had to be crushed because in number eight of that series, The Flash died and then was replaced by his uh, protege, sidekick Kid Flash, Wally West, who was... The Flash for most of my prime reading years, but now Barry Allen has returned and everybody is happy, except for those who love Wally West. (laughs) Um, And just basically anything with a DC logo on it, uh, some good, some not so good. Um, Anything that Jeff Johns writes is gold. uh, And definite love and respect to Dan Juergens. for being one of the creative forces behind the death and return of Superman, creator of Doomsday, and uh, a lot of big big comic events in the 90s. He was kind of the guy for DC Comics back then. And uh, that's just kind of, and still to this day, I just anything with a lightning bolt on it, you can you know, put it in my pull box at the comic book store, because that will come home with me eventually. Yeah. And... Uh, I've always just been really into the Superman comics. A lot of people say, like, if if they are DC fans, will say that the Batman was their gateway and they love Batman. So, and there's nothing wrong with Batman. I love Batman too. But I I really went the other way. The more the more brighter, more smiley Superman, the Flash. I really got into Legion of Superheroes as I got older, and that's one of the titles that um, I can say that maybe. Mainstream fans don't know a whole lot about, but comic book people love the Legion of Superheroes. And if you really want to get deep into comic book lore with a nice blend of sci-fi, humor, uh, romance, all that stuff, it kind of has a little bit of everything in it. I'd recommend one of the 17 different runs of Legion of Superheroes (laughs) that there's been over the years. Uh, and that's just basically been my comic book history. I am actually wearing a Flash t-shirt, have a tattoo of the Flash logo on my right arm, and my pants also have the Flash logo on them. So. And as we as we sit here in your apartment, I'm very struck, as I look right in front of me, there is a giant Flash head that is staring at me, and I it's awesome. It's Uncle, super cool. Uncle Dan's going to love this, because he gave that to me for Christmas just this year. It's so cool. And the fact that it's actually going to be shouted out will probably be his favorite part, and he'll go back over this. Heck yeah! What's up, Uncle Dan? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, I I don't mean to interrupt because I want I just wanted to leap in there. Uh, yeah, uh, but you mentioned Batman there for a second. How that's for most people, and that was that was kind of my thing too, as I really took to Batman. And I don't know, I don't know what it was because I like I I really like darker movies, things that are darker sure. in tone, which is funny because <laughs> knowing me, like I'm not a dark guy. <laughs> like You're a I'm, very bright Yeah, like I I try and be super positive and upbeat and energetic and all that stuff. It nauseates me quite I, frankly. I I totally understand that. I totally understand that. But like yeah, I like I like the grittiness of of Batman. I I read a lot of the Batman comic. I was thinking about it as we were talking, as you were talking about the various storylines and stuff. That uh, Nightfall, Nightfall was a big, Night Quest, big, Night huge Zen. deal for me. Yep, with uh, you know Bane breaking Batman's back and then Azrael taking over the mantle of Batman, and seemed to be a big thing with DC Comics in the early nineties. Bigger, shattering storylines yep. in three parts. Yep, yep. And then a few years later, they're just kind of like, or you know, hell, a few months later, like, <laughs> nah, never mind. So. But yeah, I, I get that. Uh, sorry to interrupt, you were talking about uh, your love for Flash, then kind of transitioning into, uh, uh, you know, how, how much that has stuck with you. And I, I think that's, I think that's awesome. Like, I think that's, I think that's great. And it is, it's true. It's like, you can, you, you wear your, your passion uh, and your love for this world on your sleeve literally literally on your sleeve and it's funny too being friends with you on facebook i always i and i get this thought whenever you post uh stuff for the flash television series <laughs> i'm like he's gotta be a shill for cw like his commercials are better than theirs are so, <laughs> it's not the first time i've heard that <laughs> but and, it, and it's because you know i don't have cable so i don't get to watch all these sh- you know cw is not on cable but access to watching television I know that Flash is on Netflix, and it's been sitting on my list now damn for, right it is. for years. So it's one of those things where I want to get through it because I love I love I love Arrow, uh, and I I've liked the episodes of Flash that I've watched. I've liked the episodes of Supergirl that I've watched. All of those those DC shows I think are really good. It's just a matter of getting to sit down with them and spend time with them too. Um, so transitioning from from comic books to television series, so. With the DC movies now, <laughs> this new this new universe is is a whole entity entity to itself. But what about the DC movies that came before? Were you a fan of like Christopher Reeves Superman, um, the Tim Burton Batman films, the Joel Schumacher Batman films? I, I applaud you. He struggled mightily getting through <laughs> even saying the name. It's like Voldemort. Uh, it's Schumacher. Funny. <laughs> it's funny because I have these little. Not not so much battles, but I have this moment where I just shut myself up completely. My girlfriend loves Batman and Robin. Oh God! I know, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh. But it's, I mean, I it's, I I get it. Not I do even get the it. People who made it like I, that movie. I do get it because it's, it, it it can it can be fun. Oh, I'm not I'm not, I'm not gonna stop talking about it because I don't want to have to sleep outside for the next. <laughs> Several weeks. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to get Andrew in trouble, so I'll take the mudslinging on Batman and Robin. When, uh, it, when it came to the DC movies before this reboot of the DC universe, my my favorite comic book movie of all time, and one of my favorite movies of all time, is still 
Superman the movie from 1978 yeah. with Christopher Reeve. And just recently when they had the Fathom event where they brought that back on the big screen for the 40th anniversary, I got to go, I got to check it out. And seriously, from the first moment of the movie when you see those credits zoom through space backwards... Right from the start, uh, tears welled up in my eyes and a big smile came across my face and it did not leave me for two and a half hours. It's awesome. It's one of those movies where whenever I go back and rewatch it, I'm instantly transported to being a little kid, sitting there watching it on TV. I think the first version I ever watched of it was the the TV edit where mm-hmm. they, they yeah. added extra stuff to it and we recorded it so I would play it over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Well, I've since lost that VHS because... I don't have a VCR anymore. Did you purchase uh, the Blu-ray release? I have there? not, and I want to because I know that it has the TV cut on it. I have a version of it already on Blu-ray, but it's one of those where I want to go ahead and buy another one just so that I have that cut of it. Because, it's beautiful. Yeah, I bet. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Superman movies, uh, <laughs> even Superman for the Quest for Peace, mm-hmm. I like that. I remember I going like to the theater. Uh I loved the, the the I was obsessed with uh, Michael Keaton as Batman when that was out in theaters. Michael Keaton's Batman was also I remember going to that when I was eight years old. Yeah, and that was back in a time I know kids you don't uh, recognize this, but that was a time when there were movie theaters. Yes, mm-hmm. but there was no internet. Yeah, and there were quite a few times if a movie was exceptionally popular. You went all the way to the movie theater, and it was sold out. Yeah, and you had to go back home and wait yep. for another day. Yep. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was it was that was the time when it felt like you know lines around the theater. Like I, I'm starting to feel like like uh, back in my day. Yeah. Uh, As I look back. <laughs> but yeah, it was that was you know, I, and I don't want to I don't want to go off on this tangent for too long. But that was when the event movies really felt like super special events. Um, and then I I know it's it's something that's often argued about now in uh, a lot of comic book circles, uh, a lot of I guess fan circles too. I love I love the Nolan Batman films. I really enjoy those movies. I think they're very dark and very grounded in reality. But I, I like them, and I know that a lot of people are like, yeah, but do you like Christian Bale's Batman? No. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I do. I like it. I get it. I get why people don't. My girlfriend even doesn't like that growl. He's like, that's stupid. <laughs> but I, I like it. I enjoyed it. Um, I understand and respect your liking of that movie, Andrew. But, but I will say that uh, Dark Knight Rises, even though it's my least favorite of the group, it really has made me think that Tom Hardy can't play a part where he has to talk normally. <laughs> he has to have his mouth muffled in one way or another in everything. because and it, and it makes me laugh, too, because it was like, you know, he's wearing the Bane mask and that. He's got that big face mask in Mad Max Fury Road. In Dunkirk, he's behind a pilot's mask the whole time. I'm like, what's wrong with your face, Tom Hardy? What's wrong with your face? Uh, but yeah, um, so outside of Superman, the original Superman, what are some of the other attachment to the other, uh, 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 89 Batman was very, uh, very instrumental. Like that, that summer, the bat signal was everywhere. everywhere. And this is back when a high profile movie release could even feed interest into the comic books. It would bring people into comic book stores. And this is when comic books were available at grocery stores, believe yes. it or not, kids. Yes, they were. Where mom could just drop you off at the comic book spinner rack, do her shopping an hour later, uh-huh. and there you would still be oh. going through the comic books. 
The spinner rack. With oh. with the inevitable phrase, Mom, can we get this? Yep. Mom, can we get yep. this? You'd have about three or four of them in a pile, and you would safeguard them like anybody was going to come and take them uh-huh. from you. No, that's why I wanted this one. You'd pick your favorite ones that you wanted from the spinner rack and just kind of hoard them. <laughs> just kind of, I'm going to wait for my mom to come by, and I'm going to ask for these comic books. I've been really, really good, so I hope I can get all of them. I, I deserve a yes on yes. this. <laughs> and the uh, answer usually was yes, because... The uh, overwhelming consensus is if I buy them these four comic books, which would then only cost total about $4, oh my God, yeah. for a $4 investment, it would shut me up for an entire day. Oh, man. And it's true. Like it was, it was like you could get three or four comic books for about 4 bucks, and now it's like... Four bucks might cover one or part of one. And then there's somebody who's listening in podcast land going, I don't even believe it. That's a bunch of crap. There's no way that they could have been that cheap, that you could have gotten that many for that amount of money. These people are lying to me. They, we are not. No. It, it was the truth at it, one time. Yeah, yeah. I remember I would go to, Kmart had these, uh, yeah, that's another thing, Kmart. Gotta, gotta go to Kmart. Uh, they had these, Oak these, these multi-packs where it was oh, like, three, like three of three. them. Yep. And that's where I got these, uh, there was like, it was like a Jason Todd Robin issue with Two-Face like they were, was, and you never knew what the middle yep, one was. That's be- right, because because they had the cover of one uh-huh. right up alongside on the back side, the cover of another one. The middle one was a complete mystery, and oh. you hope you didn't get a crappy middle <gasps> comic book. What frustrated me once was I did that, and there was like on one side was issue three eighty six. On the other side was issue 387, and I was like, oh man, let that middle one either be the beginning or the end of this storyline. Let it please be the next one, let it be the next one. And then it was like 265. I'm like, no! Bastards! What happens? Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, was, it was a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> um, so, Batman... Uh, uh, and and a lot of people will say that with the introduction of Joel Schumacher, with Tim Burton and Michael Keaton going out of those movies, that's when the worm turned on those. I actually rather enjoy Batman Forever. Uh, yeah. I, I thought uh, Batman Returns was a little bit too dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, Joel Schumacher ruined the fan tries. I urge you, audience, please go back and watch Batman Returns again. Yeah. Because what you'll see... Is it's a Tim Burton movie that just so happens to have Batman in it for about twenty minutes? Yeah, yeah, and I think I think I think ruining the franchise is such a like it, it really breaks apart what it is. I I think with something as strong as Batman, you can't really ruin the franchise. It's a character that's endured since nineteen thirty nine, like and continues even with with uh, different revisions and different takes on the character. He's still he's still going. So I mean, and people, and people do love Michelle Pfeiffer's interpretation mm-hmm. of Catwoman, and that as deservedly so because that was amazing. However, you also had a penguin who was a mutant sewer monster Ooh. who bit people's faces off, yeah. and then in a room full of witnesses, they said, "Yeah, sure, this guy could be mayor of Gotham City." Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had always wanted, and I had, I had dreamed when 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 it was the Nolan universe for Batman. That, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. That it was going to be Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman playing this wicked weapons dealer version of the Penguin. Like, domestic terrorist. 
Uh, yeah, I would have loved that. And My fine feathered thanks. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> I think that would have been great. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, we so, made fun, but that would would have been beautiful. It would have yes. been so cool. Um, so yeah, I, we probably should probably should get to the the point of this now that we've talked for twenty three minutes about build up. All oh, right. Uh, let's, oh, why are we here again? Oh right. yeah. Let's get let's 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 drive back to the point. But I think the thing with this is is it's at least been interesting. So that's I hope good. So. Yeah, I think so. I I would listen to my own podcast because of this. Uh, so <laughs> so that kind of brings us to you know we'll jump from all that to now. Um, Back in, uh, you'll probably know the year better than I did, when Man of Steel was released. What was that, 2010, 2011? 2011. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a, a restart of the DC franchise. It was pro- Man, Man of Steel was produced by Christopher Nolan, but not connected. Was it, do you know, was it intended to be connected to the Dark Knight uh, universe? No, no. They, they were uh, initially just intending to start over, but they figured that lending Christopher Nolan's name as a producer would would draw audiences, would lend credence to there being the Superman reboot yeah. again. So close at the time after Superman Returns, right? After, after which, the, which I liked, I, I like that too. Which <laughs> a, after that, so close after their first attempt at a Superman reboot, they wanted to try and uh, lend credibility. Like this time, this is going to be different. Right. This time, this is going to be. Like like the Dark Knight, you know how you like the Dark Knight. Everybody yeah. liked the Dark yeah. Knight. Look here, he is on uh, this too. Yeah. So, and, and that's that's what they tried to do. And uh, just as, as we're getting started now with the movies, I um, just I have been a staunch defender of the DC films ever since Man of Steel came mm-hmm. out. You can go back and look on the internet. You can go back and <laughs> ask any of my friends that I've talked to who share. Our passion for comic books and geeky things. I have always had my DC flag planted firmly in the ground. And when Andrew uh, approached me with the idea of doing this podcast with him, uh, it happened much the same way as my debates with my other friends. And I draw inspiration right now from the 1978 Superman movie to kind of kick this whole thing off. I kind of thought of myself as Jor-El, where... When the movies came out and the initial reaction happened, I said, My friends, you know me to be neither rash nor impulsive. I am not given to wild, unsupported statements. And I tell you, we must reevaluate the DC films immediately. <laughs> and then all of my friends would say, Ryan, be reasonable. <laughs> then I would reach out with a compassionate hand and place it on their shoulder and say, my friend, <laughs> I have never been otherwise. This madness is yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. Like I said at the very beginning of this, my... I have been kind of... I have... Uh, now, you might argue with this. Oh, and, I have, <laughs> and I understand. Uh, I haven't been super, like... Nose in the air negative about the DC films. You've been a monster, you bastard! I really... The only thing that I can say to this about for sure is that when I saw Justice League in theaters and did my review (laughs) for that afterwards, I got this just like... How dare you? (laughs) It was was pretty much pretty close to the response that I got from Ryan. 
was, how dare you? I have been saving this arrow in my oh, quiver man. for a couple of years now. <laughs> but when you posted that initial review, so it read three so tacos. Bad. And then, just a few hours after posting that review, I rethought it and now it's two tacos yeah. because I hate things that are fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two tacos because it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> you just opened a can of worms here, <laughs> pal." So mad. I le- so and mad. I don't like to do this. <laughs> I don't like to do this, but I broke out the finger and hit the anger emoji under the Facebook oh, man. post. I got such a red face. I am very, very <laughs> stingy with what I do that with because that means the gauntlet. It's down. <laughs> That means that means it has just gotten real, and when Andrew took that taco away, <laughs> he took a piece of my heart with him. He did. All I did, all I did was I ate the taco. It hurt like so bad. Uh, yeah, but as as a fellow fat dude, if you will, Andrew, <laughs> if you have a platter full of three tacos, and even if you eat one taco, you look at the two tacos and you say. I wish I had three tacos. I wish I had three tacos. It's always going to be with you. I wish I had three tacos. See? <laughs> wish I had three tacos right now. And we say that, ladies and gentlemen, with hamburgers and curly fries in front <laughs> of right, us. We, right. both, we both want tacos. That's right. I have to stress, though, that I did not get a hamburger. I have a chicken sandwich because of my giving up red meat now for... Over a year, holla, holla at your boy. My condolences and support, Andrew. I will, uh, I will eat your red meat for that's you. Right, that's right. I'll give you. I got gotcha. you. Get you. Get you another hamburger. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let's let's dive in for this because I I am expecting uh, you know a little bit of a little bit of fire as I already received. <laughs> um, but I want to start with Aquaman. You know, we'll, that's the one that's that's recently most recent release. Um, and is sweeping the universe. As we speak. As a massive success. Aquaman is, in fact, Aquaman, ladies and gentlemen, is the number one movie in the entire world. In the world! In the world! And it has gone from a punchline on Entourage, a punchline in... Uh, the comic book universe to a, an awesomely, you know, say what you will about New Fifty Two, oh. but how they kind of restructured Aquaman, reconfigured, yeah, reconfigured Aquaman, recalibrated. Yeah, I thought it was cool. It was and, great. And since then, it's only been on the up and up from there. One of the first lines in that movie: "I do not talk to fish." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Props to uh, Jeff Johns. Yeah, he's the one that got that off the ground. So this 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 reconfiguration of Aquaman has resulted in uh, the film version with Jason Momoa reprising his version of Aquaman from Justice League, which at the time I will preface this with at the time. Just pay attention to how he stresses that. For me, was one of the brighter spots. The the newcomers in in Justice League at the time was. Were the strengths for me? Yeah, and I, I, I liked that kind of, you know, surfer dude, uh, you know, dude bro mentality that he embraced, but was yet so like strong. He's... And I, I did, I did want to bring that up. Yeah, and th- this just isn't for you specifically, Andrew, but the culture at large. 
dude, bro. What is that? That's dude, bro. He he says surfer lingo. He likes things and he's enthusiastic. He says yeah, and my man. That that's the only thing because he said those things in moments of exuberance during battle. He is a dude, bro, superhero. Yeah, dude, bro. Dude, bro doesn't even make sense. The only thing you can say about Jason Momoa is hashtag blessed. Yeah. Well, well, he's a wonderful man, and he had the Herculean task of making Aquaman cool, and he did it. Oh, man. Yes, he did. Uh, So, yeah, we'll get that that right out there first. I had a blast with Aquaman. I went to, there was a a special, it was called a fan event, uh, a couple nights before it opened here in Sioux Falls. We weren't lucky enough in South Dakota to get the Amazon advanced screening, but they did have, that was like a week or two before it was released. We sit here as two men comfortable with our own emotions. I legitimately cried when I found out that our theater chain wasn't doing that. It's, It's unfortunate. Like, I wished we had the opportunity here, you know, it's kind of a, a product of living in the Midwest, where it's like you know, it's nice, it's quiet, it's it's kind of a, a peaceful environment. But yet, for those of us who are cinematically um, inclined, that's right. We want things that are a little. We we want those those little special privileges. We want to see, like for me, I want to see the indies. I want to see the art movies to come mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Like I want to see. I want those those advanced screenings, and we don't really get that. <laughs> Uh, so, but to have the Wednesday night showing was really nice because that meant that I could go see it and have a review ready to go before it hit the mainstream. And I would just again like to give Andrew some props because, as the fates would have it, I happened to be stuck working on the Wednesday premiere night, and today he brought me <laughs> an Aquaman pin from the premiere event. Heck yeah, it's like I was there. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, I really enjoyed this movie i had so much fun watching aquaman it for me and i think for a lot of people this comparison will kind of be a head shaker because this movie wasn't liked by a lot of people but i loved tron legacy tron legacy was great. i really loved tron legacy and i feel like the world building that was done in aquaman uh where everything was just so bright and so like committed to creating this this universe I thought it was a lot of fun. My problems with Aquaman, I'll talk about those really quickly just because. <laughs> I think there are still some issues, and I think this isn't this isn't just a DC thing. I think this is movies, uh, maybe, maybe comic book movies in general sometimes, because some of the Marvel movies have this problem too, where some of the dialogue is just... It doesn't flow. It doesn't feel natural. And there are some moments where, as as well as Jason Momoa and Amber Heard play off of each other, there are some moments in it that are just kind of, you know, like, I'm banging my fists together because it's like, it's just too kind of like, oh, we're going to make this work, right? And they don't quite work. I also, and this is a huge Marvel problem too, don't think that I'm throwing this at DC. I'm throwing this at Marvel too. I get tired of movies where your huge conflict is between these two characters. The central conflict of the film is two characters where they're battle of wills. And then for some reason we throw them in this massive CGI 
explosion of 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 things flying into things and other characters being thrown bandied about. What I liked about what Aquaman did is it it started with a war, the war of the the seven seas of the seven armies of, of the seven seas, mm-hmm. uh, which and is then, just if you're going to have a name for a war, it's the coolest name for a war ever. <laughs> and then, but it took the central conflict and moved it. Two above the water, and it was just a simple fight between the two of them. Not throwing each other in the building. Yeah. Not like weird, rubbery, computer animated effects. It was a genuine battle where you actually cared about what was happening because it also did a good job. In a very strange way, the anticlimactic nature of. Because the superhero movies in general have just had the big blowout brawl mm-hmm. to end the film mm-hmm. uh, in all iterations and across all companies and all films, but this one scaled it way back between two characters, yeah. and and just the small nature of that is really the perfect way to tie a ribbon on that yeah. movie. Yeah, and it was it was it was great. I, I I felt myself when the war started. I felt myself going, oh man, really? But then when they went up above the surface and it was just Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson, which I think the film did a really good job of actually making me kind of care about Patrick Wilson's character, King Orm. Uh, Ocean Master. Ocean Master, King (laughs) Ocean Master Orm. Uh, Where it's like he has a legitimate claim. He has a legitimate claim. But he's going about it the wrong way. Precisely, you can see where each character's motivations lie and where they're coming from. And I just want to point out, and this is again from from being a comic book fan for so many years, and as so many people listening to this episode will be, we've gotten now to see a movie in which a climactic battle between Aquaman, Black Manta, and Ocean Master... Was in a big blockbuster movie and was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was so good. It was so good. Uh, I, I, I felt like you, you cared about these characters. Like I said, the, the, there were some moments of dialogue that was a little bad. Uh, there were the, the, the use. Uh, one of my friends made a comment that is like, you don't hear the song for that long. You heard it enough. The use, <laughs> the use of Pitbull's cover of Africa by Toto was really, it was like, it was like a mini music video I in the middle of this movie. I have to admit, it would have been so much better uh, had they just gotten Toto's version. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, overall, and, and this was, this is, this is the point of this, is that overall, man, Aquaman is probably going to go like I plan on doing a countdown of my biggest surprises of 2018 and I think Aquaman is going to be somewhere near the top of that list because uh of all of the superhero movies that I you know didn't expect to enjoy so much uh this this was one that I really I really liked um yeah I, and I I and I think a lot of it has to do with um James Wan's direction too I really enjoyed what he brought to it, this this really full on creativity. The, the scene with I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget the names of the of the the characters. They encounter That's this. Why I'm here. They encounter this race of uh, like scary creatures that attack their boat. The creatures from the trench. Yes. yes. Oh my god, that trench sequence. It's like a mini horror movie in the middle of this this action comic book movie. And I think James Wan's horror sensibility Absolutely. really lend itself so well to yes. 
to this movie. So, yeah, we'll start off with Aquaman because that's the one where I don't think Ryan can yell at me that much. And, so. if, and if you want to talk about just as uh, two cinephiles here um, and talk about being surprised, we now have a movie where, and maybe in 1992 you could say this, but Dolph Lundgren appears in the number one movie in the world. Heck yeah. And... As a lifelong Dolph Lundgren fan, because he was He-Man for real. Oh my gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was just way more excited than anybody probably should be for just that aspect of it. I as, as soon as he came on screen for the first time with a majestic long mane of hair riding a gigantic seahorse <laughs> in a huge suit of armor as King Nereus, I elbowed my friend who I was with and just pointed at the screen and went, Dolph! <laughs> and then everybody, as usual in public with me, they were immediately embarrassed. <laughs> but I, I like this year that two of two very solid movies featured strong performances from Dolph Lundgren. Yes. I remember I remember seeing Masters of the Universe in theaters me when too. it came out. I was a little kid. Fist bump number two. Yep, hell yeah. Uh, it was just, yeah. Being able to see Dolph Lundgren in in two movies do a really good job, uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. It was so much fun. Uh, so yeah, I, I think starting with Aquaman is the right way to go because it's one where I don't have anything too majorly bad to say about it, uh, and I just I had a blast. I had I, a lot of fun. I just thought it was so fun, and it subverted so many expectations without being outwardly overt about. We're going to do everything you didn't expect. Ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha, ha. Yep. Because yep. so many movies do that. Like They make a deliberate deal out of changing expectations, flipping things on their head. But this, just when they, when they happen in the movie, the occurrences of the anticlimactic climax, the, um, frankly, breathtaking visual effects oh, yeah. for all the underwater sequences... Um, because so many times, especially these days, we're we're, we're spoiled as mm-hmm. audiences when it comes to special effects and CGI in movies because we see it so often. And I was actually the first time I went to Aquaman because now the count is four times. Wow! <laughs> um, I went to a XD screening with 3D, and things just popped out at the screen during those just, I'll say it frankly, majestic yeah. underwater sequences. And you don't get wowed by computer graphics in movies these days very mm-hmm. often, but there were points during the movie where I was wide-eyed and just said, wow, yeah. under my breath, because there were things that I just couldn't believe happening before me as an audience member. And I'll carry that with me anytime I watch Aquaman after this, because... It just, it captured everything that we never knew an Aquaman movie needed to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was great. So, we both approve of Aquaman, so if that's all you want to listen to at this podcast, we like Aquaman, and if you haven't seen it yet, if you're not one of the $800 million worth of people that have seen this movie yet, you should go do so. Uh, we'll take a quick break here, and then we will get into it as we roll down the DC Cinematic Universe, DC Extended Universe, whatever it is you want to call it, uh, and uh, hopefully I can get out of this conversation without getting punched. Not bloody likely. <laughs> we'll be right back. 
Hey there, podcast listeners. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And we're your hosts of A Piece of Pie, the queer film podcast. Every episode, we're going to take two movies, or more, compare them, contrast them, and talk about them. Sometimes we talk about things like Terrence Malick and his use of handheld cameras or his sparse dialogue. And sometimes we talk about Alex Garland and how he mirrors things in both story and visuals. Sometimes we just talk about Chris Evans and his butt. Or Meryl Streep and how she might have farted her way to an Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, so join us. We're on Stitcher... Google Play, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Grinder. Uh, that might just be you, James. <laughs> Maybe. So a quick heads up, this this episode of A Fat Dude Digs Flicks, uh, when we got back from our little break, uh, we talked for an hour about uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Uh, then we took another break and talked for another hour about the remaining three <laughs> DC Extended Universe films. So, for uh, the benefit of your attention span, uh, I'm going to go ahead and break this into three parts. So that'll wrap up this first episode. I uh, hope you enjoyed our discussion of um, where we're coming from with our taste for comic book films and the DC Extended Universe films um, and our discussion of Aquaman. Um, If you would, uh, go ahead and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Uh, Like, comment, subscribe to any of the posts there. Subscribe to the page. Uh, Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio. Um, And I have a YouTube channel. There are some videos there. There might be more over the course of 2019. Who knows what happens? Uh, If you want to make any recommendations or have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, please send them to fatdudigsflicks at gmail.com. If you'd like to make a loaded recommendation and attach a Cinemark or Fandango gift card, hey, movies cost money, and I will take (laughs) your money so that I can see more movies. Uh, Go ahead and just send that to fatdudigsflicks.com. I promise you, you don't have to. Just listen. That's all I really enjoy is that you listen to what I have to say, and I'm going to see these movies anyway. So, uh, yeah, if you if you donate or not, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this first part of our three-part DC discussion. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Fat Dude Digs Flicks.